The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Allison Pollard. Allison helps people discover their agile instincts and develop their coaching abilities. She's an agile coach with Improving in Dallas, Texas, and is also a certified professional coactive coach, a foodie, and a proud glasses wearer. Allison, thanks for making some time to chat today. Thanks for having me here. Yes, I, um, I too am a proud glasses wearer. Unfortunately, our listeners cannot see that today. I know, right? Um, <laughs> That's a downside of a podcast. It is, it is. Um, and I noticed this year at the Agile Conference, there were lots of people with really cool glasses. I was finding myself engaging people like, ooh, where did you get those? I really like those glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a fashion statement. You get to like say something about your personality. And I actually love changing up the glasses that I wear year after year. Mm -hmm. And I usually pick a pair that kind of scares me initially when I look in the mirror, like, I'm not sure who that is. I can take a year and find out, though. Oh, that's really interesting. Kind of uh, not only from just an edge crossing perspective in terms of like, (laughs) oh, wow, that's a little edgy and maybe not me. Mm -hmm. But that idea of um, allowing the glasses to kind of be a some sort of universal flirt with you about who you might be. Exactly. Stories. Do you have any stories about that? Oh, um, oh my goodness. Well, so like last year's, it, it's so funny when I think about like, so last year's pair, um, they were, <laughs> they were purple with blue and so like a plastic, uh, you know, rim. And I remember when I first tried them on, I thought, oh my God, like this is so much color and I feel like a cartoon character. And, you know, as I like looked at it and, you know, I always lean on the, the people working in the glasses shop uh, because I'm nearsighted. And so I have to like rely on them to give me feedback. Because oh, you really can't see yourself in the glasses because right, you don't, they have, don't have prescriptions. They don't have them. the prescription yeah. lenses. And so it's like, OK, like, do you think these look good? Do they fit my face? And they'll help narrow it down. And then it's me just kind of deciding, like, who do I want to be? And I was like, you know, I'm kind of like entertained by this like bold color. Like, I wonder what will happen if I suddenly have more attention drawn to me, you know, as a result of that. And I remember one of my coworkers, you know, I had the glasses for at least a week or so and we're in conversation and he just looks at me and he goes, those glasses are fantastic. And I'm like, all right, these are, these are working for me. I'm really enjoying this. And then like, even this year, you know, I went with like a much more like subtle, uh, you know, color and design. And it, it actually freaked me out to like move away from something that was so bold of like, what, what is this now? I'm going to look like, you know, a librarian or just kind of like a serious form, <laughs> which is definitely true. Um, but, you know, I, I had to realize that, you know, now you can actually like see my eyes more when you look uh, through the frames uh, and it brings up my eye color and I'm like, Oh God, what does it mean that people might actually look into my eyes rather than just like stop at the glasses? Um, cause they do form kind of like a, a armor in some ways. Yeah, they um, can. For me. Yeah. That's interesting. I was like, I'm now picturing like a, a blog post series <laughs> that can sketch you in like all of the glasses over the years. Right. Yeah. I, I totally <laughs> or at least like that. a Brady Bunch graphic <laughs> that has like little um, snippets of each one. Yeah. I know. I, it's so funny because I do keep all the old frames, even though I don't wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've meant to like donate them, but I'm like, Oh, they're kind of hard to part with. Like I remember which ones I wore at my wedding and you know, when I got my job here and 
you know, it's like revisiting your personality over time. Yeah, I'm, I'm actively going through purging at home, which is very cathartic. Yes. <laughs> and I found sort of a drawer of glasses from over the years. I'm like, I'm just going to donate these. But it was like memory lane. Yeah. Oh, I remember these. I have a photo of me at this conference wearing right? those and da 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 da. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Well, all right, Allison, thank you again for being yeah. here. Um, I, I've sort of developed a pattern in a lot of these women in agile chats with kind of just asking people about their agile origin mm. story. Melissa Boggs, the other uh, week when I talked to her said, Ooh, that makes me feel like a superhero. <laughs> I love that <laughs> phrase. Definitely. <laughs> so what is your agile origin story? How did you find uh, it? It, uh, it kind of found me. Um, I, so I had started as a project manager, um, out of college and, you know, my first job I was working with offshore development. So we had more of a traditional waterfall kind of approach, but it was very lightweight, you know, like little websites, uh, not a whole lot of complexity. But when I left there and I was interviewing at another, uh, like medium sized company, uh, that was also doing software development, they talked about this thing called agile. And I didn't quite know what they meant um, originally. And they, there was something about the way that I came across in the interview that they really, really liked. Um, and so even though I didn't know, and I said, well, can you tell me a bit about that? And then I could connect the ideas um, to things I had you know, read about or heard about um, and maybe had dabbled with previously. Uh, and so even though I had had these like really short interviews, like 20 minutes, I thought they were wasting my time having me come out. Um, I apparently nailed it, uh, and they loved me, and they wanted me to, to join as a business analyst. Uh, and so I did. And not long after I started, they got rid of their project manager, uh, and I was suddenly doing both. Um, but they talked to me about, well, we want you to actually, actually act more like this like scrum master, and here's like a one-pager with just like descriptive phrases and words about what that means. Now, I'll tell you, like, looking back, we were not doing Scrum. <laughs> uh, we had this, like, <laughs> massive stand-up with, like, 20 people. Um, we did have cards on the wall. We did tell stories about the software. Um, and I did very lightweight documentation. But we did not have sprints. We didn't have plannings. We didn't have reviews. We really didn't even do retrospectives. Um, but there was this continual focus on what is the most important thing? How are we coming together and get it completed? Uh, and, you know, I had this one wall with basically the backlog. And then on the other side of the room, it was the wall of done. And so when you got a card um, all the way completed and it you know, went through testing and all, you got to move it to the other wall and the wall of done. And I love seeing... I love that kind of the ritual. Yeah, and of I that. love seeing how like one wall becomes less populated as the other one grows. Um, it was, you know, okay, we're yeah. making progress. We can see that good things are happening here. That's great. And I think one of the things that stuck out to me most about that story was actually right at the very beginning where um, there was something about your personality or just your mm. way of being that they liked and they didn't really need to talk to you that much. And I think that's really something special about the mm. agile community mm -hmm. at large is there is a shared essence almost of us as people. And when you meet somebody, you're like, Oh, you might not like understand it from a textbook perspective, yeah. but like you're an agilist. <laughs> you just don't know it yet. 
and you just feel it when yeah, you meet well, some and people. I, was, I mean, I was getting crazy questions like, why are manhole covers round? And I was like, what? What is, I don't, like, I don't think this is going to be related to the job. I'm pretty sure the software is not, you know, designing manhole covers. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I took it in stride. I, I kind of laughed. I was like, well, uh, like talking it out, you know, like, let me think about this for a moment. And what they, what they enjoyed was that, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't freak out uh, in the moment. You know, I, I didn't have you know, this like really strong, well, it must be this, you know, kind of way of answering. It was the conversation. Uh, and the fact that we were so easily, you know, giving and taking throughout that conversation, even though it was only 20 minutes, they thought it was fantastic um, because they knew that some of their leadership could come right in and absolutely change every priority. And I think they were already um, noticing that their project manager was having a very difficult time uh, you know, working with some of their leaders when that stuff happened. And so the fact that I see more go with the flow and able to, to focus on what might be import, important uh, was something that made me stand out. That's great. I, um, and those are the kind of qualities we want mm -hmm. in our community, even though you all didn't really know you were necessarily going down the agile path then. Yeah. Well, we, we, it's like, we knew it's something agile. It definitely wasn't scrum. Uh, right. <laughs> right. So with your journey, if like that kind of soft launch and soft discovery of Agile, mm -hmm. now it's like we were chatting a little bit about this as we we're preparing for the episode today. It's like, if you don't know Alison Pollard, you might have heard of her. You've really sort of established yourself in the community. You're often at the conferences right, yeah. um, and all of this. So what are some of the stories and kind of pivotal moments through your journey kind of establishing yourself, right, as a thought leader in one of the kind of women of what I think of as our generation. Right, right. Um, yeah, of it's, agilists. it's it's funny, like, there's something very surreal um, to kind of like, look back and be like, man, like how I've become a name, like people do recognize me. I've, I've sat at conferences. And I've heard people be like, Oh, I'm really excited to go to Allison's like conference session. I'm like, did they just say my name? Like, is that for real? <laughs> um, and I and I say that because, you know, back growing up, I had such stage fright. I was so nervous to be in front of people. I would, I was in choir in high school and I, I would run off the stage and I couldn't be in the concert, even though I have like, you know, 50 plus people around me, you know, I was nervous, you know, being up there under the lights and potentially being heard. Uh, and so from that, that angle, I think it's like really kind of hilarious uh, that I've done as much as I have at conferences and had some really great opportunities. Um, but I, I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, so I, I had been a scrum master for a while out in the community, and then I kept hearing about improving. And I had known about them. I had attended you know, a scrum master class there. I started going to agile meetups at their office, and I got to know uh, one of the organizers pretty well. As it turned out, he had worked with one of my coworkers previously, so this was like an extra layer of trust that got built in. Uh, and so there, there came a day where I looked at him and I said, Gary, I want your job. I want to go around and visit other companies and I want to help them with Agile uh, because I feel like I'm doing that like the hard way on my own as like a contractor. And I just love the idea of being in a company where I can learn from other people that have more experience and I can help others, you know, on this path. So I joined Improving uh, as a Scrum Master and 
as it so happened, uh, the next DFW scrub meetup, Gary was not going to be able to attend, and Lance, Stacy, the other organizer, was also not going to be able to attend. And so Gary asked if I could, you know, be the, the person to host it for the night. And I said, sure, I have some work to do, uh, but I can definitely, like, kick off the introduction, tell people where the pizza and the restrooms are, and then the speaker can do his thing. This Uh-oh. is... Why do I get nervous that something's about to go sideways? <laughs> this is the one and only time that I know of that DFW Scrum issued a formal apology after the meetup. Um, oh, goodness. And it was not me, I promise. Um, as it turned out, the, the speaker, the topic just was not very um, good. Uh, there, it was very confusing. Uh, people were, like, leaving very quickly because um, I was trying to do some work, oh. you know, in the back of the room on my laptop. And I'd look up and be like, whoa, like half the room is gone. I think I need to start paying attention to like what is happening here. Uh, it, it was it was more code um, on the screen and people in the room were trying to debug it uh, with the speaker. Uh, so they were not able to to really get the benefit of understanding. It's almost like early mob programming. Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. The, top, the topic Maybe. was supposed to be test-driven development, and I don't know if they ever explained what TDD was. Um, but it was uh. funny, because like, after that experience, you know, I, I you know, tell Gary and, and Lance what happened, and you know, they decide to you know, put an apology on the blog and, and email folks. Um, and you know, it committed us to more due diligence, you know, kind of vetting you know, people that were me speaking at the group. But it also meant that I became an organizer rather than just like a one-time host. Um, so I, I happened to go through, you know, the professional scrum master class around that time. Because like I said, I joined Improving. I get to go to those classes for free since we teach them. And I was so reinvigorated around scrum, like having gone through this refresher. that I said, you know, in January, it would be awesome if we get Ken Schwaber um, to speak to the group. Uh, and so that that launched me into becoming like an organizer of a like growing and vital community agile group. Uh, we actually doubled in size, uh, you know, in the time that I was helping as an organizer. And as as some people might tell you, if they're they're local to Dallas, they noticed that Allison was the only organizer at the meetups on a regular basis. Uh, and so I I always give credit to Lance and Gary for starting the group and for you know, being available over email and helping me like think through ideas, but it really became my group. Um, and I was the one in the front of the room. And I tell you the first couple times, just telling people where pizza and where the restrooms are, I was nervous uh, and it was very clunky. Uh, but over time I got more comfortable because, hey, I have figured out how to explain that you go through these doors and to the left, that is where you're gonna find the restrooms. Boom, amazing. Um, <laughs> So after that, you know, I, I started, you know, hearing about conferences and Gary got me um, a, an opportunity to speak at one um, here in Dallas. And again, I was super nervous, um, but I really loved the topic that I came up with uh, with a friend of mine. And, you know, we presented. It was fun. And I didn't think much after that. But the next conference that I went to, um, Cherie Silas and I, you know, we're sharing a hotel room because it's, you know, more affordable that way. And, you know, we go to these conference sessions during the day and then we like come back to the evening where we're reflecting on what we've learned. And there came that moment where we said, why not us? Like, what's the thing that we're doing? I, it feels like we're, you know, constantly telling our scrum masters that they are actually the coaches of their teams. And this is revolutionary because they thought that we were the coaches because it's in our title. 
And so that, that created the next conference topic. And Cherie is amazing. She is incredibly driven. She submitted it to every conference that she could find. And next thing we knew, people accepted it left and right. Uh, and so that got me to go to PMI conferences. It took me to technical conferences. It took me to agile conferences. And I loved you know, how different audiences responded to the same material and, and brought different stories out from, from both of us. Uh, and so that's what has kind of kept me involved. I, I love co-presenting. Um, I'm probably the most promiscuous co-presenter that there is uh, right now. <laughs> uh, I also love just you know, exploring different topics around coaching and software development. Well, so let's use this to kind of springboard towards, um, agile 2019, um, right. Downfalls of coaching in a hierarchical model, which you (laughs) didn't do solo. You were pairing on that one as well. Yes, I was. Yes. Yeah. Skylar Watson, uh, and I had worked together, uh, you know, we actually met at the agile conference in 2018 and it was that connection, uh, that when we found ourselves working together at a client, you know, we were able to talk to another from these differing perspectives about what is happening, what is your experience, and how do we make this difference? So for people that weren't, didn't have the luxury of being at this year's conference or in that session, what were a couple of the things that were kind of the highlights? Yeah, so if, if you imagine, uh, you know, you're working in a large, large organization that's going through a transformation, and they've decided to partner with a large consulting company the large consulting company brings in a lot of coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, they bring in software craftsmanship coaches to work with the developers. They bring in some business coaches to work with the product owners and maybe some analysts. There are separate coaches to work with middle management. And then there are some executive coaches um, to work with leadership at the very top. And then team now, coaches to work with the teams and so on and so forth. And yeah, we could keep going like, for a half like hour. <laughs> the, the, the coaches go on and on. Um, yep. And, you know, that many coaches is very expensive. Um, now in this, and I'd seen this at a couple of other um, locations, uh, a couple other companies, but this one was the most extreme case where the coaches did not talk to one another. They were mm. extremely siloed. Uh, and there began this like hierarchy to emerge amongst the coaches. Like the executive coaches thought that they could, that they could actually tell the, the development coaches like how to do their jobs, uh, which did not go over well, I can tell you. Um, so Skylar's you know, working with the software developers. I'm actually just kind of like hanging out on the side because um, I'm from a different company and didn't have like an obvious place that I fit in uh, in this crazy hierarchical model. And so, I'm really helping like some of the managers to reflect upon like what is happening in your organization, what kind of results are you getting, and what is this doing to the culture, uh, and is it really what you want or not? Um, and being able to say there are other things possible than what is happening right now um, in your company. So eventually, Skylar and I um, get enough trust with some of the employees, you know, managers, and like some coach type folks um, that they had that we are able to start pivoting away from the model. Um, So this is where I joke that Skylar was such a trooper. He went to daily happy hours with stakeholders um, to get to know them offsite. And he's like- He sacrificed his liver. He really did. (laughs) um, Things that I definitely would not be able to do. Um, And and anyone that knows Skylar, I mean, he's brilliant, uh, you know, on the software side and, and so good in like putting things in business terms. 
he also is a, a home brewer um, and very much a beer craftsman. Uh, so ah. asking him to do daily happy hours, you're, you're talking right up his alley. It's kind of like research for him. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, beer with people, uh, if you yes. insist. Yes. Um, so, so Skylar and I, we start getting to know the stakeholders uh, more on the business side and in some of the programs where we've had teams working uh, and, you know, other parts of IT management and get their perspectives on what's happening. And as it turns out, you know, so the developers might have been learning about like a microservices architecture because this is a very good thing and it will help them, you know, get away from this big monolithic code base and be able to deploy more frequently. That's what we're wanting. However, at the same time, their product owner might be learning about behavior-driven development and a new way of writing acceptance criteria. And so now the product owner and the developers are talking past one another because they've mm-hmm. learned different things and they don't know how they connect together. Uh, at the same time, you then had like executives that were hearing that pair programming was the thing. Pair programming will you know, in, improve our quality and you know, it'll make the, the team stronger. Well, they get concerned when they hear that teams are not pair programming. I, I don't know why it makes sense for like a vice president of a large company to be worried about whether his team is pair programming or not when there's so many layers of management in between. Um, But it was, you know, people are hearing different things. It's driving these crazy conversations and it's causing more confusion and putting more pressure on the teams than is healthy. Uh, And so I got to lead some organizational retrospective activities, uh, you know, with leadership in particular. Um, I helped do, I called it a wall walk at one point. Um, So I I only had about six teams, like representatives from six teams in the room. Um, But that was enough to highlight, you know, like, what's the work that your teams are doing in the next six weeks? And now let's take some yarn and show like all the dependencies that you have between your team and like the whole rest of the world. And so Mm -hmm. you can imagine this like spider web that emerges on the wall. And you're like, wow. Revealing the system. I've revealed the system. Like, golly gee, like, why are we not able to deploy more frequently? I think it's because you're connected to like five other groups minimum um, in order to get something completed. Um, And even there, you know, I I brought it back to like, let's talk about your original like product charter. Like, what is your product? What is the vision for it? Who does it serve? Uh, what are the, the outcomes? Like, what are the business metrics that we'd be looking for to evaluate if, if this product is successful or not? You know, we would love to have a dashboard for this. We would love for the team and the product owner to have conversations around this daily and use it, you know, when you're talking to stakeholders about, you know, how things are going. I love these teams and I heard the craziest answers. And it was through no <laughs> fault of their own. You know, like one team told me that they were basically like the final confirmation page in, you know, imagine like an e-commerce flow. Like, great, Mm -hmm. tell me about the product that is, wink, wink, the confirmation page, right? I'm like, how is a confirmation (laughs) page a product by itself? This is weird. Uh, And and they would be like, well, you know, from that page, it then like links to some of our partners. Uh, You know, there's like some upsell opportunities that happen. and, you know, we're, we're, you know, making sure that the customer sees like their final receipt, you know, like the final cost of what they purchased. I'm like, cool. I totally see that. And I want so much more for you. Like, I really want you to like own a thing like end to end. And I want you to have visibility around it. 
And I want you to be able to like talk to real customers and like have awesome conversations with the stakeholders. Uh, and so the team started to get the idea. Um, but as you can imagine, you have to work with management and, you know, leadership on IT and business uh, in order to make some real changes. And so helping to yeah. open up their eyes as well of like, here's the system, you know, like, here's the organization that's been created so far. We've started to pivot from projects to move towards products. We have a long way to go. Um, and I, I think what's also been really interesting is, you know, like sometimes I hear agile coaches, you know, they'll, they'll declare like, well, they're doing it wrong. I could absolutely have said they're doing it absolutely wrong and I need to help them be right with like a capital R and it would have been really hard and really risky and it probably would have fallen on its face. Instead, I've taken more of a stance of like, this is just where we are right now. And yeah. like, how do we move? Like, how do we evolve to something better? How do I help it to emerge? Uh, and it's for me, I mean, it's a it's a really big change, I think, in like how to, to function as a coach of you're not coming in and declaring right or wrong or agile or not agile. It's truly how do I help you have more agility and how do I help you have more trust? Because um, I also see that yeah, well, it, like, if you don't have the trust in the organization, it doesn't matter that you had the right idea. No one's going to listen to it anyways. Yeah. When that's what I, I do think it's this um, a downside. And you're right. You have professional coach mm -hmm. training. You've done uh, right coactive certification. Um, it is the downside of us throwing around the word yeah. coach. When the majority of the community is actually agile consultants. <laughs> True. Right. Yeah. Which, right, an agenda of their own. Um, but really bringing, being brought in as a coach, right. It's, I, I go back and I feel like in so many of these conversations I'm having with people, it's like, well, to me, it's all about the first line of the manifesto, mm -hmm. right? How do we create the environment where they can be the ones uncovering new right, ways? Right. Right. Because if we force those ways onto them, then the moment we leave, mm -hmm. you know, whether it sticks or not, but if they're able to uncover them mm -hmm. on their own, then it's really theirs and they have that sense of ownership and it becomes their agenda versus yeah, ours. Yeah. It's, it is weird wearing that like double hat consultant and coach. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I think that's pretty yeah. prevalent in our, in our world right now too. Yeah, it is. It is. Anything else sort of from that story and that uh, kind of the stuff covered <laughs> in the session this year? Uh, it's from the session this year, you know, I, I think, recognizing when things are not going so well. And instead of just, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I could have pouted, you know, I, I could have had like a little hissy fit, you know, at, at home around it. And I, I'm sure I probably did every once in a while. Um, but really looking at it and go like, how can I, like, how can we, what needs right. to happen? And who can I partner with um, to help see that through? Uh, I think that's where Skylar and I recognize that being able to partner with some of the employees who really cared about their company and really cared about the people, um, they were the ones that really helped shape the, the transformation into a very different direction. Excellent. And so you talked about Skylar as someone you met because you were working at a client together. Yeah. And right, he, he was the one that you worked with um, in terms of co-presenting this year. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you talked about also being very promiscuous. <laughs> so do you have, right, is it, right, ooh, I happen to have collaborated with this person in a client situation, or is there any intentionality in this promiscuousness? Oh, um, there's definitely intentionality. Um, so I, uh, I, I love the variety. 
Um, there are times where I will think of a topic and go, ooh, like I need to get this out in the world. And like, who do I know that is going to have some stories around this and maybe add an interesting perspective? And I will ask them and like flirt the idea in front of them and see what they say. There are other times where I'll know people and there's just something about them that kind of like catches my eye or like really it's, it catches my brain. Uh, and I'm like, ooh, I, I want to play with you. I want to spend more time with you. And my nerdy way of doing that is saying, hey, will you co-present at a conference with me? And we'll have the conversation around like, what have they been doing? What are they learning? How does it match to maybe things that I've been doing and what I've been seeing? And we'll, we'll coalesce around a topic. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I think especially because if someone says the words in front of me, like, oh, I would love to speak. I don't know how to get started. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you're tempting me. Like, I, yeah. you can't just say that in front of me and think nothing is going to happen. Like, there, there's a topic now. There, something is going yeah. to happen. We will be submitting. Or I'll be helping you on your abstract and helping you to submit and get out there. Because um, it's so... It's so easy and it's so hard, um, but I, I find like having a partner really makes it so much easier and so much more enjoyable. Yeah, well, it made me think about you know, what we do with women in Agile around the Launching New Voices program mm -hmm. and great right, getting people up. They're solo presenting, but they have a mentor that they work with yeah, um, which is through great. that. And then I sort of started thinking about pairing and presentation sort of for my own professional growth perspective. And it's like, oh, yeah. oh sometimes I want to up my game. So who can I pair <laughs> with that's like a notch or two above me, right? Can yeah. they can, I'll, I'm going to grow through this and then kind of um, co-leading and co-presenting from the side, like someone that's really mm. like, we're very much on the same level and we just want to get our, 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 like roll up our sleeves and get dirty in a topic yeah. together mm -hmm. Whether you know, and then there's the, um, pairing as mentor, right. Yes. In the situation, Oh, I want to get into, to speaking yes. and really thinking about that from all of those lenses, mm -hmm. um, serves our own personal growth as well as kind of some of the mission that we talk about within women in agile and, and bringing along the next generation and, and just helping other people as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has been weird. You know, I, I feel like I've only been speaking for a couple of years, but I've been speaking at, you know, 10 plus events a year. And so I've accumulated a lot of experience, um, that now taking on that sense of like, I am the mentor, you know, like how, and so I, I actually feel a lot of responsibility. Like I, I do a terrible job sometimes of like helping them prepare. Cause I'm like, I don't know what it was like. Tell me what you need. We will make that happen. Um, yeah. but I will absolutely promise safety when we're there in front of an audience. Yeah. I have told them like you, you cannot put your foot in your mouth and like embarrass me. That's just not a thing. I will help you recover. Um, Either one of us can speak to any slide or any activity throughout. Um, so I'm always there. It's never you take this half, I take that half. And if you get a question, I hope you don't freeze up because uh, that can be very intimidating for folks. Yeah, that's the scariest part, actually. Yeah. And so I, I think that's why um, you know, like I, I've just found like my way of co-presenting is a bit different than what people expect. Um, but there's something there's something very um, safe and something very um, comforting about knowing that you can just stand there and like tell your stories and I've got your back. And if you say something kind of weird, I will clean it up in a way that still makes you look like you're right. Uh, and that you've done amazing things in front of everyone that we're, we're talking to that day. 
This sounds like a whole nother podcast we need to go record, <laughs> by the way. So Allison, you're going to be on the hook for that conversation. Well, oh, well, maybe maybe we'll do that. And- <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll co-present on co-presenting. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're dabbling into this little bit of an idea of right, professional growth and mentorship mm-hmm. and, and creating that space for people. Um, and you earlier talked about you got into it and, you know, but through the work with improving and going to, you know, introductory scrum class. And I think the roadmap for I'm new to the agile community, I need to learn mm. is pretty clear. There's so many options and so many people to work with in conferences, yeah. but then it's kind of all right, well, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. So what is sort of on your roadmap for the next sort of year or so? Where, where are you getting all your brain candy and inspiration from? Oh my from? goodness. Well, it's it's funny because like I think about, you know, like where people learn. I learned so much from reading blogs um, initially. Like I think I grew up reading like Esther Derby's blog, you know, like yeah. hearing, you know, the research and like the experiences that she had and that she was sharing uh, as well as, you know, Mike Cohn and so many others. Um, I'm finding now it's hard to find good blogs in the agile space. Like, and I mean, in the sense of people that are blogging very regularly, um, and that, that are sharing some of their experiences. I think there's so many different models out there now, and there's still, um, so many like turf wars around the frameworks as I think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think to go beyond the frameworks and really get a deeper understanding of practices or techniques. Um, understand why these things work is important. Um, I've also been looking to stretch myself. So you mentioned like I'm a certified professional coactive coach. Uh, so I went through that journey. I went through ORSC training. And so I understand organization and relationship systems coaching. And I've been, you know, playing with that on my own um, as well. I, I've been learning more about organization design. Uh, and I've gone to a couple conferences around that. I even presented one year. Uh, which is really exciting. And I keep wanting to learn more and more about that, like the stuff outside of Agile. Like tell me- All the adjacencies. Yeah, tell me more about like, how do you how do you build trust? Like how do you handle like relationship challenges? What does it mean to be a leader? And like what's emerging in that space? Because, um, you know, I think you and I, we are kind of that next generation of Agile leaders. We're seeing different challenges now than what companies faced 10 years ago. And so it's great that we've grown up with, you know, the experiences of those that came before us and we can stand on their shoulders. There's like a whole new need and like a whole new set of stuff that we've got to be figuring out um, together and sharing back into the community so that we can keep moving forward. Um, Because it's... Yeah, I do. there's a sense of responsibility there. I think so. I think so. And because it's... You know, it's not just around, you know, are you are you doing 15 minute standups or not? Um, that's not going to make or break your company. It's how are you serving customers? How are you evaluating, you know, the most important things to be doing? And what are your competitors doing? And are you keeping up or not? And how are you taking care of your employees so that they actually stay and you get the benefit of the domain knowledge being applied into your products rather than if it's a really bad culture. And I felt like that was my early career. It was like working at companies that had like really so-so cultures. I got yeah. burned out. You know, I, I, yeah, I, couldn't, sure. I couldn't, you know, keep coming in the office 830 in the morning and then staying online until like one o'clock at night taking care of projects. It was just too much. Yeah. When the, 
And it gets even more complex with the way the global market is just shifting and then introduction of things like gig economy, which they don't even want to stay places for a really long time. They just want to find like interesting work and bounce around even more than we have as contract agile coaches and scrum masters over the years. So this, I'm really kind of starting to think about this idea of culture of cultures And what is it you do to create, right? You have underlying values and principles that sort of ground your organization's mm-hmm. culture, but how do you really allow a culture of cultures to thrive um, and transcend kind of ethnocentrism <laughs> and this idea of I'm right, you're yeah, wrong. Yeah. So um, it's, it's so many things we could do. So as we start to wrap up today, Allison, what is it kind of building on this idea of how you're Mm. growing yourself and other things? Any sort of guidance or wisdom you want to share with our (laughs) listeners? Oh, gosh. Um, I as as much as you think, you know, there's so much more out there. Uh, And for me, I find out where I need to learn most by being involved in the community. And they start pointing me to what are those conferences I might you know, want to attend that are, again, like outside of agile, outside of software development, or what are the books um, that I might want to read, or you know, some of the other topics um, that are, are coming up um, that I can go and ev- investigate further. Um, that's, that's the stuff that gives me ideas around you know, what are the new ways of explaining things, what are new concepts I can play with, but especially now it gives me a lot of fodder for like, what do I do differently? Like, what do I get to practice differently? And I, I think we sometimes forget it's not just the knowledge, it's the real world application as well. And we need to get our mm-hmm. hands dirty to whatever dirty means as a coach, right? Of great, I'm trying to facilitate a very different thing with a very different group than I've played with before. That brings a lot of richness um, to an organization when we're willing to go out there on our edge uh, and, you know, kind of go into a place where we're uncomfortable and see, okay, what's it like to get to the other side? Yeah. Well, it, right. It brings me back to what we were saying a minute ago, right? Learning all that new stuff, you're uncovering new and different ways of how to deliver value by doing it yourself and then helping yeah. others do it too. Right. That's, I know, <laughs> I very think the manifesto <laughs> should just stop right there. That would like be cool. That's in so many ways, what it's really about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Allison, thank you so much for making time to chat today. This is great. I got to hear stories about you I hadn't heard before. So I, I'm sure most people have That's my favorite thing actually. about these. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. And um, hopefully we'll chat again uh, sometime soon. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, as well as Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.